0: hello everybody we're a couple of annoyed grunt boys and this is the 138th simpsons podcast We're the show that explores the show, The Simpsons, from seasons 11 and beyond. Why 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, we figured that there are plenty of other podcasts that explore the show from seasons 10 and before, or the Golden Ages, we call it. So we want to go beyond there to reignite our passion for this beloved animated sitcom. I am half an annoyed grunt boy, Steve, and I can't do this alone because I'm not very good. So with me, as always,
1: your other half annoyed grunt boy, Craig.
0: Hey, Craig, what's doing?
1: we're recording this here in the midst of a summer not much new contents coming out from the simpsons because you know it's summertime everyone's taking a break yeah well i have some news for you steve oh there is new simpsons content who do tell so i thought it'd be fun uh that we uh review this new simpsons content all righty
0: Today's episode is titled, "Marge Simpson Has Something to Say. It originally aired on April 14th. Your nerd code is F-U-T-R-U-M-P 2020. And it is from
1: Twitter. All right, so the episode starts with, uh, well, we don't get a- Traditional uh, title, but uh we see some familiar red curtains here, Steve. Yeah, those curtains were
0: first seen in season two, episode three, titled "Treehouse of Horror."
1: All right, out steps a character known as Marge Simpson. I usually don't get
2: into
0: politics.
1: We're going to pause it right there, real quick, Steve. Uh, hey, this is not a political podcast, and apparently, not uh, a political
0: podcast.
1: And apparently, Marge, Marge doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so she stands there kind of a nervously, you know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy uh, the animation style with the spotlight down on Marge. But like her hair is like sticking outside of the spotlight. I thought that was great.
0: It's a really good use of lighting. It's, uh, you know, both professional, but also a little loose and wild.
1: It's great. Uh, she continues talking. But the president's senior advisor, Jenna Ellis, just said Kamala Harris sounds like me. All right, Steve, uh, who's Jenna Harris? Well, she's an advisor
0: for President Cheeto, as some people call him. Whoa. But she recently said that Kamala Harris, who is going to be the Democratic VP nominee, is, she uh, sounds like, Marge Simpson
1: and Marge Simpson. If you guys don't know, she's she's the matriarchy of a of a family known as the Simpsons on an animated show called The Simpsons. It's on Fox TV.
0: Yeah, it's new, but I think it'll stick around for a little bit.
1: So uh, Kamala Harris, yeah, has she been on an episode before or?
0: I don't think she's been on The Simpsons before, but I know I've seen her on TV mostly on other networks like uh, CNN and like MSNBC. Sometimes C-SPAN too.
1: I've only kind of remember her on NBC. You see she was really funny i think mean, she did like a really funny j-lo impersonation and mariah carey this is back in the early 2000s i think wait yeah. 90s uh she's married to paul f tompkins anderson that's his name the director that's right yeah
0: and she was great in uh bridesmaid
1: right right so marge is standing there and she's talking about uh Kamala Harris and uh so she continues
0: Lisa says she doesn't mean it as
1: a compliment all right so real quick Steve who's Lisa
0: uh, so Lisa Simpson is to whom she's referring that's actually the daughter of this character that's on screen Marge and so Lisa is a precocious eight-year-old but unlike most eight-year-olds she's politically aware and she's very conscious about the environment and politics and just issues in general
1: hmm, I feel that uh, I can relate to her
0: you know I find that too like of Like, there are a total of five Simpsons characters... Okay. And I'm gonna I'm just going to take a moment. So sure. we got Homer. Right. Who's that? He's the
1: daddy. Oh, see, uh, we're not allowed to say daddy on this podcast anymore.
0: All right. He's the big papa. Marge is the mommy.
1: So that's the one that's on the screen, right? You got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then we have
0: Brat Simpson. I think
1: it's Bart.
0: Okay. We got Brat Bart, and he wears a red shirt and enjoys skateboarding.
1: Oh, he sounds like a jerk. He has been
0: known to raise hell. And if that weren't enough, he doesn't take shame he doesn't feel bad about raising hell he underachieves and yet somehow he takes pride in that underachievement it's weird he sounds
1: like a real hellion or hellraiser yeah yeah
0: Yeah, then we have our aforementioned lisa who has a red dress and cares about things and has hair like a little coconut or a pineapple rather
1: does she have pearls around her necklace you know she does (laughs) (laughs) i mean does she have a pearl necklace
0: Yes. I don't know if her mom or dad gave her a pearl necklace, but there it is.
1: You said there was five. See, I'm only counting four on my four fingers, just like the Simpsons. Well,
0: bust out that other hand, because we also have Magagi Simpson,
1: mm. who has
0: uh, hair like whoa. Lisa, oh. and she wears a little blue thing, and she sucks-sucks
1: um, on her pacifier. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that sounds great. Uh, let's get back to the episode, Steve. All righty. Uh, uh, Marge is sitting there complaining about. Uh... Lisa again. I guess uh, here's what and she has to say.
0: Here starts Act Two.
1: If that's so, as an ordinary suburban housewife, I'm starting to feel a little disrespected. Okay, I gotta pause it there real quick. um Trump's administration is all about protecting the suburban housewife thing, because he's making sure that low-income people cannot be near those suburban housewives. So why is she so concerned? You know how like
0: dogs how whistles right and we don't hear it but it's like saying something that's not really there okay um imagine if that were like a thing where you were saying something but actually meant another thing so, like, when you say suburban people, you're mean, you're meaning rich white women.
1: Oh, and, I see. But the Simpsons aren't
0: rich. No, exactly. They're a lower, upper middle class family. And then mm. when you're talking about other, like, lower class people, you're talking about poor people and people of color. Because uh, some people are afraid of people who are not like them.
1: Luckily, here on the 138 Simpsons podcast, we're all fat white men. It's true. We're not afraid of anything. Nope. All right, let's go to Act 3 of this episode, okay? All right. I teach my children not to name-call Jenna. I was going to say I'm pissed off, but I'm afraid they bleep it. Well, you know what? Here on the Simpsons Podcast, Hunter 3 Simpsons Podcast, we don't bleep you, Marge. Nope. You can say pissed off all you want. Is this the first time Marge has ever said the word pissed?
0: I feel like it, although I do have a uh, very vivid memory of her saying, he's such a butthole.
1: (laughs) Well, Steve, that was the episode. How about we take a break and come back and discuss the rest of this?
0: Sounds good. We should uh, talk about our favorite quotes, our favorite tattoos, our visual gags, you know, maybe some external <laughs> reviews. Sure. And our thoughts.
1: All right. We'll be right back. And we're back, Steve. Let's wrap up this uh, episode real quick with our favorite uh, quotes, tattoos, shirts, and, you know, the, the little thing that we like. Steve, I'll start here. Um, my favorite visual gag. I really enjoyed the uh, curtains. Hmm. I'd probably get that tattooed on me. Red curtains. You know, Craig, I I
0: don't like the fact that we always agree, but I gotta go with gotta go with you on this one. I mean, March was great in this episode, but the the curtains really the highlight of the show.
3: All
1: right. But also, the
0: spotlight yeah. I think is very special. It was great.
1: Too. Oh, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. The spotlight. Oh, maybe I will change my mind.
0: So yeah, I'm gonna get a T-shirt with the uh, curtains and the spotlight. Okay. I'll allow
1: that. See, what was your favorite quote from this episode? Ooh.
0: There's a lot to choose from, a lot of funny lines in this, but I think I'm going to go with pissed off. Steve,
1: I have to agree with you, dude. It's pissed off. This is great here in March where you rarely hear that. It's true. Well, that was our favorite quotes and our favorite visual gag. Steve, let's review this episode.
0: All righty, Craig. I liked the message a lot, um, you know, about, you know, the way that people talk to each other and perceive each other. I will say that this episode compared to others, one, lacking in jokes. Um, there wasn't a ton of jokes. Also, the plot felt a little weak. There's no B story. The A story is, you know, kind of weak. But I, I got to say that my biggest criticism of this episode is, you know, it felt a little short. Now, most sh- episodes that feel short have a long couch gag or a long, like, intro. And I will say that they did not do that here. So they were upfront and being like, we're going to be short. But I don't know. Just compared to other episodes, it felt really tight.
1: Yeah, I got to agree with you. It was pretty short. I just feel like that maybe there should have be been a little more substance. But, um, you know what? It got the message across and that's all I care about is the message. And for that, I'm going to rank this out of, uh, well, this, this episode was only 27 seconds long. So out of 27, I'm going to give this episode a 27 perfect score.
0: You know what, Craig? I can't disagree with you. 27 points it is.
1: All right. Well, Steve, um <laughs> this joke sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I liked it. I'm sorry ruined all our friend, or friends. <laughs> <laughs> you call them friends. <laughs> we don't have friends <laughs> let's go back to a simpler time <laughs> back into the year 2009
0: oh why don't we go specifically to march 15th 2009
1: you mean the ides of march
0: that's right craig what was the number one box office hit the movie of the week steve it was a
1: race to uh to which mountain steve
0: Which mountain?
1: Yeah, to which mountain?
0: Yeah. No, to which mountain, though?
1: No, I'm asking you, what was the race to which mountain? It's
0: a race to which mountain?
1: No, which mountain?
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) All right, Steve. uh, What was the number one song?
0: Uh, Your number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was by Flo Rida, and it was Right Round, featuring Kesha. You spin my head right around, right
4: around, when you go
5: down, when you go down got the house with my stagger, hopping in that window, I got places to go, people to see, time is precious, I look at my Cartier out of control, just like my mind, where I'm going, no women, no shorties, know nothing but clothes, no stopping at my Pirelli's on road. i like my Dewey, that's always on road. No the storm is coming, my pockets keep telling me it's gonna shower. Call up my homies, it's phone and popping in the knock 'cause it's meant to be towers. You keep a fade away cause we ballin' is patin up patron every tower. Lo mama, owl, you just like the powers.
1: So he wrote that song, right?
0: I assume so, yeah. Oh, yeah I yeah. feel like he would have written it if you were dead
1: or alive. Steve, you know what that deserves. Hmm there you go thank you give you a little rim job there um steve what was this episode that we're talking about
0: uh, today we are talking about Gone Maggie Gone. Lisa infiltrates a convent in order to steal Maggie back who was accidentally taken in by nuns. Well, in the convent, Lisa uncovers a series of cryptic clues leading to a hidden jewel in Springfield.
1: Ooh, I can't wait to check out your hidden jewel, Steve.
0: Ooh, and I can't wait to take your convent.
1: All right, Steve, let's uh let's take a break, come back and watch Gone Maggie Gone. We'll be right back. <laughs>
4: Head right around, right around when you go
0: And we're back. Today we're talking about Gone, Maggie, Gone, the 13th episode of the 20th season. It originally aired on March 15th, 2009. It is episode 433 in the show's run. Your nerd code is LABF04. It was written by Ian Maxton Graham and Billy Kimball, directed by Chris Clements, and your showrunner is Al Jean.
1: All right, so Ian Maxton Graham and Billy Kimball, you our listener to this podcast. We've done a couple episodes that they have wrote.
0: They have their moments, I feel. Right. Uh, so just some quick trivia up top. The title is a parody of, obviously, Gone Baby Gone.
1: And this episode kind of spoofs uh, the movie uh, National Treasure and Da Vinci Code. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is the first episode to have that very short version of the opening sequence in
1: high definition. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And also the second episode to feature Maggie's name in the title. The first was, and Maggie makes three. Oh, classic. Uh, don't forget, you're
0: here forever. So we begin the episode with the title screen of a three-eyed raven. Now, Craig, oh, <laughs> do you think that it's a little weird that, you know, the show Game of Thrones hasn't even appeared yet at this time, probably, and they're showing the three-eyed raven? I mean, what's up with that? All right.
1: Well, we got a couch gag with our friend uh, Ralph. <laughs> he was the couch gag last week's episode, I think.
0: Yeah, he just keeps on busting into the Simpsons' house to do stuff.
1: Yeah, speaking of busting, there's a couch that's actually a piñata. So he swings at that piñata, and sure enough, that Simpsons family falls out of their couch.
0: Huh. It's interesting that he's wearing a blindfold in this, because the movie Bird Box would premiere 10 years later. <laughs> also, you know, Marge wears a blindfold in this.
1: Thing. Right, right, right. Spoilers, right? I'm not there yet.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> So our our episode begins with a narrator telling of man being ruled by science and industry for centuries, but that era is coming to a close. We then see an automobile being built in a factory, and as a maiden America stamp is placed on it, the car falls to a million pieces. A joke that would have surely pissed off my dad.
1: Not a political podcast, Steve, but isn't this country pretty much a joke now?
0: <laughs> yeah, it <is>. shots
1: fired. <laughs> Hey, that's how the rest of the world sees us, so
0: Yeah, I mean the rest of the world can't be wrong, can they?
1: No, they cannot.
0: Right. I would go ask them, but I'm not allowed to go
1: anywhere. <laughs> no, we, we're we're toddlers. I mean, our country's that young. We're literally in our terrible twos. Yeah. Two hundreds.
0: It's like th- when you're like a first when you're a kid and you're first like starting to walk and you're saying words and people are like, so impressed with you, but then <laughs> you like turn three or four and you're still just walking and saying a few words.
1: And you're just saying, like everything's mine, 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 and mm-hmm. you don't care about the others around you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what America is. It's true. <laughs> we did one good thing when we were a toddler when we were a kid like oh look they uh, they're, they're potty trained now and then you know for the next couple hundred you know couple 50 years like we, we you know we got by we were cool yeah like uh you guys are just still living off of that one thing you did in the 40s <laughs> to make your yourself a, a superpower of this world yeah <laughs> guys just grow up
0: yeah, come on, guys. We can do better.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, uh, The Simpsons. You know, we get some uh, Da Vinci Code style imagery of sketches and plans akin to the uh, famed re- Renaissance artist and inventor. And the narration continues and uh, saying that we're on the cusp of a new epoch. Once the prophecy puzzles and signs in the sky, and then a uh, magic eight ball sends its message End of days. Oh, no. There's a hooded figure working in, on the anagram of acidic sod oven four, which works out to be Da Vinci Code spoof. Another hooded figure draws a perfect circle as the voice states that the epoch starts today. Mr. Kent Brockman has more information and a parody of Bill O'Reilly's infamous temper tantrum.
3: Our top story, today Springfield will experience a rare total eclipse of the sun. A solar eclipse is like a woman breastfeeding in a restaurant. It's free, it's beautiful, but under no circumstances should you look at it. We recommend using a homemade camera obscura, fashioned from an ordinary shoebox and paper towel tube. This was supposed to be pre-made. Fine, I'll do it myself. Where's the end of the freaking tape? Forget it. We'll do it next week. The eclipse is today. There's an eclipse when I say there's an eclipse!
0: That was a parody of Bill O'Reilly, it was on Inside Edition and lost his shit and said,
3: "Good live! Fuck it!
0: The newsman takes off his jacket and storms off. We then see a gorgeous animation of the moon orbiting past the Earth's view of the sun as the eclipse covers North America.
1: And then we get a shadow to overtake our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., causing Pats to fly out of the Washington Monument. Um, then the eclipse covers the building for the uh, amalgamated sunscreen, causing several employees to jump off the building to their <laughs> shameful deaths.
0: I like that. Ed Bagley Jr. is seen uh, driving around in, in a solar car, and when the shadow from the eclipse arrives, his eco-friendly vehicle is stopped on train tracks with a locomotive coming his way. Luckily, the train is also solar-powered and stops just in the nick of time.
1: I to say that was one of my favorite scenes. Just, uh, <laughs> I didn't look in the credits with <laughs> the names. Do you think that actually was Ed Begley and just going ah?
0: Probably, it, yeah. It they probably like
1: him. him. <laughs> I just like how his car had Ed Begley's solar car. Yeah.
0: And it was Ed Baker's solar train. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's a great callback too, because he's you know been on the show before. So mm-hmm. and um, also
0: the monorail was solar powered as well. Oh, ah, in the clips then. Thanks that's
1: right. Wow. Shouldn't they have then searched for the, uh, spoilers, searched for the, uh, gem after that episode?
0: One would think, yeah.
1: All right, well, meanwhile, the Simpsons family have gathered in their backyard, and each with their own homemade obscuras. After they, uh, hit the Penumbra, they prepare for the Umbra, and Bart climbs on Santra's little Halpar's doghouse to get the first view, and then Homer, wanting to be the first to witness it, uh, climbs on his son's shoulders, and Bart, uh, really strong there, holding up, uh, his fat-ass dad.
0: yeah. He tells his father to hit the road, you big load, and then flings him in the air, and Homer lands on his uh, camera obscura, crushing it.
4: My space toy! It's okay, homie.
2: You can have my viewer. But, Mom, you'll miss the eclipse. There'll be another one in North Yemen in 2027. We have totality, people!
4: We'll be talking about this together for years. For years? I finally feel like part of a family. Oh,
2: I can't miss out. Just one little peek.
4: It's beautiful.
1: Who does Marge think she is? Only presidents can look at (laughs) eclipses without proper eyewear.
0: That feels like eight years ago. So Marge has her eyes scorched from the image of the sun, so the family head to Springfield General Hospital, where if you died here, you'd be home by now.
1: Dr. Hibbert, who informs Marge that her eyes must stay covered for a full two weeks. That's a fortnight. And a Homer volunteers to be here seeing eye, Homer, but quickly gives up as describing being in some kind of a doctor room is too hard to describe and quite tiring. gotta sit down after that. But good doctor,
0: not that one, warns the Simpson family that any stress could increase the blood pressure in Marge's eyeballs, leading to what medical experts refer to as Tex-Avery syndrome.
1: So then we get a fun little uh, video that Hibbert shows them of the 40s animated style with the wolf in a doctor's office reacting to the sexy redhead nurse as his eyes pop out of their sockets, uh, transforming them into applauding hands, and then giving two thumbs up and shoots guns into the air. Uh, His pupils then turn into lip bombs which explode, leaving his sockets Hang limply out of their eye holes, much like the uh, elderly folks in our uh, other tale. Which uh, tail is that? By Steve, I think that's uh, a scorpion's tail. Like which, was, of course, was written by the writers of this episode, Billy Kimball and Ian, Max, Tone, Graham, in our uh, episode we didn't like the most. Yeah, uh, they really like eyeballs falling out. <laughs> At least with this one, I'll say it's appropriate.
0: Yeah. So uh, Homer then declares that wolves are taking our women no. Yes. Well, um, we'll circle back to that later. I, I have a fun review, but yeah, that is some trivia. Uh, not really. It's just a, that's a reference to, uh, a number of text cartoons, particularly Red Hot Riding Hood. So back at home, the family is treating Marge like a princess. Every day is like the first 10 minutes of Mother's Day. Homer tells his wife to rest her rods and to cobble her cones.
1: And Lisa calls for her dad, Homer, to rush into the kitchen where they find that the room has been overtaken by Rats. rats. Whoa. Yeah, Indiana Jones's dad would appreciate that. It's true. The rodents are everywhere, climbing through the cabinets. They're on the kitchen table, and they're using the paper towel rolls, a treadmill. They're also riding an egg beater, and they've uh, completely taken over, Steve. Oh, boy. Not taking over you, just taking over yeah. the kitchen. No, yeah, they haven't taken over me yet. Yeah. If they did, you'd be actually a good cook. Oh.
0: Oh, wow. I'm some-
1: yeah, I'm sure you're fine.
0: Also... You're wrong, Craig. Because if they climbed on my head, what would they grab?
1: Homer has more hair than you. It's true. Everywhere too.
0: Yeah, I've seen. <laughs> I look like <laughs> I look like a seal. The scene reminds Homer of that delightful movie he taped in the theater, which we then see uh, his bootleg copy of <laughs> Ratatouille, spelled R-A-T-A-O-O-E-Y. Hey,
1: he spelled it phonetically.
0: Yeah, it's fine. And in keeping with tradition, one of the furry pests jump on Homer and uh, begin to control
4: him. He's controlling me with my hair, using me to cook a delicious soul with a celery root puree and carrots vichy. Mmm, this is good. Good, but not great. I'll go get some rat poison.
0: Homer then grabs the strands of his hair that were previously held by the rat and walks himself out (laughs) of the room.
1: (laughs) I know they've done a -a ratatouille parody before i think it's when no. we we uh reviewed because i remember saying like i still haven't seen ratatouille and uh as of this recording still haven't seen ratatouille huh
0: i watched it i think at the beginning of quarantine actually
1: did you learn any new recipes
0: um no i will say that i think that ratatouille the dish is more fancy than it is good it's basically That's just a... vegetables
1: yeah. yeah and i think we've had the same conversation that, uh, that i've never had the food either so okay two strikes for ratatouille
0: but the film was fun and i forgot that janine garofalo was in it Well, anyway, Homer heads to the Shelbyville shopping center where he finds Best Buy parody, Pest Buy. Inside, a sarcastic gay, has the uh, poison to kill those dirty rats. And the clean ones, too. Maggie is instantly drawn to the candy-colored poison. Homer sets Maggie on the ground, where Santos' e-helper is trying to steal Maggie's uh, toy bunny.
1: Doesn't he say something like, uh, I don't know why they, uh, they look so appetizing or something like that.
0: What is it with babies and colored candy-colored uh, <laughs> poison?
1: I kind of like this uh, scene, though, because uh, the fighting between uh, Santos' little helper and Maggie continues as Homer tries to drive, while well, attempting to keep Santos' little helper from Maggie, and then Maggie away from the rat poison. And Homer veers off to the overpass and falls into the woods below.
0: Um, that was fun. Uh, Homer wonders how he will get himself, Maggie, and Santosy helper across the nearby river so he can drink at most. Luckily, there is a small boat nearby, but unfortunately, the load is too heavy for all three beings to be ridden
1: to ride the boat at once. I like when Homer and he drives off the uh, overpass and he's just like, <laughs> why did I even bring the, the baby and the dog? <laughs> 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 so that was great. And then uh, one I the think my favorite things coming up is, uh, is this clip here. Let's see, I need to get the baby,
4: the dog, and the poison across the river, but I can only take one thing at a time. I can't leave the baby alone with the poison, and I can't leave the dog alone with the baby. Robert. Can't someone help me with this puzzle? <laughs> Professor Frank! Help me figure this out! <laughs> Yo! Over here! <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh... Great time to nap, Einstein.
1: So Professor Frink is now dead. Homer murdered him.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to throw the pills to uh, get his attention, but <laughs> it was a lucky shot. Million well, to that, one.
1: Yeah. Well, that first act ends with I guess, uh, Professor Frink. No, I'm just going to say he died. OK, we get a graphic that shows Homer's dilemma and text re- that reads a uh, puzzle. The first, how does the fool cross the river with his burdens? Three. So
0: Homer in the next scene is drawing a diagram in the sand to figure out his conundrum. And he thinks he's got it figured out, but then discovers that canines are pretty good swimmers.
4: OK, Maggie, dog, poison, you're all involved. So listen up. First, I row Maggie over, leaving the dog in the poison. Then I row back alone, take the poison over, and bring Maggie back. Then I take the dog over, come back, get Maggie, row across, and before I know it, I'm back at home. Huh? Were you listening at all? Sir... I'd be obliged to you if you'd help me puzzle out
1: my fox, duck, and corn situation. Well the puzzle done puzzled itself out well, it's one of my favorite uh the whole uh, duck and corn fox thing it's old
0: it's a classic riddle
1: right and i remember that riddle like in like elementary school yeah and i think the one i really think most of is that uh episode of the uk office where they're having to do the uh do the same riddle and tim and uh, gareth are teamed up to figure it out oh right 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 yeah i think it was like the last episode of the first series i don't know but uh i just remember tim going "Yo twat yo twat yo twat, y'all twat. <laughs> <laughs> and because that's the same episode with uh free love on the free love free free I... <laughs> that's that's my favorite episode i think of the office uk og UK. oh yeah <clears throat> that's long um, <laughs> Homer and Maggie are now
0: across the river, and the uh, Simpsons patriarch must now find a safe place to keep his daughter. And what's safer than children than the watchful eyes of God? Homer drops Maggie off at uh, St. Teresa's Abbey, where they'll keep an eye on her. Homer will be watching too, just in case God's busy making tornadoes or not existing.
1: (laughs) I like that line. That was a good line from Homer, yeah. Uh, So he hops back. In the boats, only to discover that he's left Magagi amongst Catholics. Oh, no. Yeah. When he attempts to retrieve her, an angry nun points out that the mission statement of St. Teresa's is clear. Any child left here will be cared for by sisters of St. Teresa.
4: Any child left here will be cared for by the sisters of St. Teresa. Why would you leave such a beautiful baby on our doorstep? Because she was fighting my dog and stealing my poison. Now give her back so I can take her home to my rat-infested house. No, the poor dear is right where she belongs. Come on, lady, have a heart. I'm sure your husband does stupid things sometimes. I'm married to Jesus. Yeah, right, and I'm married to Wonder Woman.
1: So the nun slams the door shut, showing off a neat sign of Mary praying with the old English script that reads uh, Scram. Uh,
0: No spoilers, but I like that as a graphic. Mm -hmm. Back at 742 Evergreen Terrace, Homer is commiserating with Bart and Lisa about losing Maggie. Bart reminds his father that Marge can't handle any stress right now. Suddenly, Lisa has an idea.
2: One of us can go undercover as a nun and infiltrate the convent.
4: Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. There is no way Homer Simpson's going to put on a dress and act like a nun. <laughs> Told you there was no way I would do it. Are you sure you don't want me to do it? Because I can do it.
1: I got the outfit right here. huh?
2: Dad, leave so I can get into character.
1: I don't know. It's just that one, so dumb, but in a good it's way. It's the sound effect, I think. The sound effect, like the classic, like wow. a Tex Avery. Yeah, yeah, like Looney Tunes. like. <laughs> And just the whole setup, you know, that classic sitcom cartoon, like, no way you're going to get me in that dress. It's very much like uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Comedy Bang Bang on uh, Pluto TV. Oh, yeah. And it's just, (laughs) it's definitely something that Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, would have done.
0: Absolutely. I, I I live for that kind of dumb joke. Yep. So Lisa takes out her uh, Darwin emblem necklace and pops <laughs> off the word Darwin as well as uh, the feet that uh, signify evolution and voila. She has an ictus or it is more commonly known a Jesus fish.
1: And uh, she asks to join the order and the nun asks Lisa how she feels about kneeling. Who is she <laughs> calling Kaepernick? <laughs> disgraceful. Disgraceful. Anyways. Uh, Son of a bitch. <laughs> he's a terrorist. Lisa can't get enough of of kneeling, so uh, so she's in, and uh, the nun shows Lisa around and tells her that uh, she must wear her habit modestly and not like Sister Marilyn. Yeah, we get a Marilyn Monroe nun <laughs> standing over, great, blowing up her uh, habit.
0: It's a hard habit to quit. Just then, Lisa finds the nursery. She looks into the classroom as a nun is singing, If You're Happy and You Know It, That's a Sin. Uh, there are plenty of babies in there, but no McGaggy.
2: Mother Superior. Are those all the babies in our orphanage?
4: Looking for more unwanted babies, are you? Well, next week's nine months after the prom. They'll be stacked up to the ceiling.
2: No, I was just thinking you might have some in the back you haven't put out yet. Oh, a doubting Thomas, are you? Well, more of a curious George. Well,
4: little monkey, it's time for you to spend some time with the man in the yellow hat.
2: Why would Mother Superior lie to me about not having Maggie? What is going on? Jewel why would nuns want a jewel find the jewel find what you desire the jewel lead me to my baby sister why are you telling me this because i'm
4: sick of that mother's superior whenever we play football she has to be quarterback now you must solve a series of clues.
2: You mean an increasingly difficult series of challenges to my intellect? That's so cool.
1: Plus, you find your sister. Oh, yeah. Sure. Your first clue. That was a little clip there, Steve.
0: It was. Uh, I like the joke about uh, the, the babies stacking up to the roof, or to the <laughs> ceiling, from all the uh, unprotected sex from prom night. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that uh, referring to not a doubting Thomas, but a... Uh, Curious George, and uh, she has to visit the man in the yellow hat, which is uh,
1: Uh, Jesus, because he has a halo. Yeah. Oh, it's Chris George Jesus?
0: I think so. I think it's a whole allegory for uh, creationism versus evolution. That's why he's hanging out with a monkey all the time.
1: Well, so the nun points to a stained glass window of Lisa discovering the jewel. It reads, Corte
0: durum in corte et anima, which is Latin for seek God with heart and soul. Well, what does that mean?
3: You're nuts in my face.
0: No. Lisa sees the nearby pipe organ and is inspired. She quickly takes to the keyboard and starts playing Heart and Soul. This causes a mechanical whirring and the organ opens up and displays a complex Game of Thrones-style diorama, which shows a mechanical angel turning a key, starting a series of events for the Rube Goldberg device.
1: Yeah, Marble rolls down a path, flipping a Pontius Pilate figure who is sitting at the Last Supper. The figure lands on a scale which raises a lit candle just below a small vial of holy water, and the water boils and steam powers a locomotive which opens another door, revealing more gears and cogs and moving parts. Lisa watches on, growing bored.
0: Uh, One of my weird things that I like to do is go to YouTube and watch Rube Goldberg devices.
1: was yeah, weird.
0: Yeah, it's they're fun though. Like when they're like 10 minutes long and you just forget how it started, it just gets it, so wrapped up in them. It's very comforting to me.
1: I feel like you've uh, mentioned that before in this podcast. I probably have. I have like three things. That's true. Three more than me, Steve. There you go. <laughs> well, so back at home, Marge, she's so blindfolded and comments to a Homer that she hasn't held Maggie all day and Homer thinks quick and puts Maggie's dress on his arm and makes a little Maggie face puppet, even drawing eyes on his hand to deceive his temporarily blind wife. Ooh, mommy's little baby is getting big and chubby. <laughs> Who's a chubby
2: baby? But that doesn't mean that you can't have a little dinner.
4: Hmm, you're not usually this greedy. Cool it, she's getting suspicious. You
1: cool it, I'm hungry. Kent Brockman talked about breastfeeding in the beginning of the episode. Shouldn't have been this you, right now. Marge <laughs> should have pulled out her breast and Homer should have been using <laughs> his hand on her nipples. Huh? Why didn't I, they animate that and air that on TV? Why didn't they show that at
0: 8 p.m. on a Sunday night? Huh. I don't know.
1: Steve, you don't like my <laughs> breast idea.
0: I mean, I I would be lying if I said that it hadn't crossed my mind, too. But I didn't want to say anything. <sighs> Uh, anyway, let's jump back to the Abbey. Uh, where the What do you Com- think of the
1: voice that Homer puts on of the Maggie hand?
0: I thought it was funny. It's like uh, that uh, Ed Sullivan puppet guy. Popo Gijo?
1: Popo Gijo, Popo-Gijo, yeah. Popo Gijo.
0: It's all right. It's all right. We jump back to the Abbey where the complex machine is finally ready to reveal a cryptic message to Lisa that'll lead her to the gym. Lisa, for some reason, knows to read every other word of the message.
2: Hmm, what if I read every other word? One more time. You're hopeless. Try again, numbskull. That's not very nice. I will try again, but not because the wall told me to. Turn around. Seek Springfield's biggest man-made ring.
1: (gasps) But which man-made ring? There's so many. Could it be... The Lard Lad Donut sign? The
0: smoke rings from the factory? The hula hoop on the on the sign for the Hula Hoop Repair Center?
1: Or one of the many rings in Otto O'Toole's 0% Downsized Oversized, <laughs> oversized Ovals? <laughs> so uh. many rings.
0: <laughs> but which one is the key to finding the gem? We then get another graphic depicting the many rings of Springfield with text that reads, Puzzle the Second. What Lisa just said. And we're on to our third act.
1: Don't you think the, the Burning Tire Factory? Those are O's. Oh, those are rings. That's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> I, I like it and then Lisa comes back and she's like have you got it and then because she's looking at the us but she's actually just looking at millhouse and he admits that that he's a weak nerd and not a smart nerd much like us exactly she then finds the uh, biggest ring could be the bell from the Springfield bell tower and she walks up to it but is stopped by a sign that's been turned into a meme it says keep out or enter I'm a sign not a cop seeing that meme so much on the internet I'm so glad. We know it's from this episode now.
0: Yeah, I had no idea, but there it is.
1: I always thought it was like from something like in season 12 because I've seen so much of that meme. Yeah, it's funny.
0: It's just, it was in the back of my mind, like something that I knew, but yeah, you're right. Interesting.
1: Well, she walks into the bell tower as two hooded figures appear from the shadows. Oh,
0: well, it's bedtime back at the Simpsons' home and Marge is saying goodnight to her children. starts with Bart and announces that she'll be in Lisa's room next. The instant she leaves, Bart takes a nightgown from his dresser, puts it on, (laughs) along with a pearl necklace and shapes his head hair to be that of Lisa. He climbs from the window to the roof of the house and jumps into Lisa's bed just in time. So it's weird that he just had a nightgown.
1: I'm assuming he's been doing this the past couple nights, maybe. Probably. Well, he does like to dress up in girls' clothes and dance on beds. It's true. Sisters doing it for themselves. Yeah. I <laughs> know. I really enjoyed that visual mm-hmm. of Bart as Lisa Heron. <laughs> so Marge goes into Lisa's room where Bart's there, of course, and uh, she uh, is going to wish uh, her daughter goodnight, but is surprised when there isn't any response. And thinking quickly, Bart grabs Lisa's saxophone.
5: <laughs>
2: oh, jazz! <laughs> Keep going and I'll scat
1: I bet Bart's never picked up a woodwind instrument like the saxophone and played it Mm -hmm. to even generate that sounds from someone who's never even done that pretty good job
0: you're not wrong i mean it sound didn't sound horrible i mean obviously he wasn't like playing a song or anything but no he made notes and it sounded okay yeah at the bell tower lisa unhoods the mysterious two figures and finds that they are principal skinner and comic book guy jeff alberson they were following lisa as they also are seeking the gem of saint Teresa.
1: They knew the gem because they are an ancient order of mystery buffs who hide in shadows and call themselves the Brethren of the Quest because they do their sleuthing in Skinner's mom's Nissan Quest minivan.
0: So cool. Uh, so after threatening to tell uh, Skinner's mom about the unwanted minivan usage, Skinner explains the secret of the gem.
1: Well, legend has it, Steve, that on her deathbed, St. Teresa of Avila had a vision of jewel that would usher in an era of peace and harmony Uh, She sent a team of nuns to the New World to find the gem.
0: We then get a fun visual of the nuns sailing on a pirate ship, fencing with yardsticks, walking with a habit-wearing parrot on their shoulder, and dancing a fun jig with a wooden leg.
1: So the nuns land and... Where they're greeted by the Philly fanatic, I like that scene, Mm -hmm. and uh, they used the timber from their ship to construct a convent by simply just turning their ship over and placing a cross on it, and the nuns are determined in their mission, but uh, Skinner explains, work got out about the gem. And a
3: group of high-ranking Freemasons, led by Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and King George III, staged a phony war of independence to cover their search for the gem. (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Fleeing the violence, the nuns of St. Teresa's left the colonies and settled here in Springfield.
5: Legend and Wikipedia have it that the gem will be revealed during the first full moon after a solar eclipse. That's tonight. Adoy! One question remains. Why did you come here?
2: Because I cleverly deduced the answer to Springfield's biggest ring, voila.
5: Well, it gives me no pleasure to say your deduction was faulty. This is a fake papier-mâché bell. The real bell was melted down in World War II to make Civil War chess sets, four of which I own.
0: So, the Revolutionary War was all a scam. This
5: country makes me
0: sick. This country's built on lies. This country makes me sick. Did you know that the uh, Ben Franklin cuts up the snake? It resembles his join or die political cartoon, also known as the uh, Do't tread on Me snake? Duh It's always weird when adults say a doy. It's like a dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeff Albertson, a dick? Well, mm. I never. I also like means like uh, according to a uh, legend in Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest ring, Steve Lisa looks out and sees what the biggest ring is. And she knows she knows oh. it was right in front of them the whole time. Comic book guy sees the answer too, and Skinner pretends that he's aware as well, but, uh, Anyways, he's ready to walk or drive to the obvious solution.
0: (laughs) Craig, I think I might have a blunder. Oh, no. That's right. When Lisa was looking at the Springfield Bell Tower from the park, the top level had only the bell with two openings on each side. However, when Lisa Albertson and Principal Skinner Go to the top level, there's another room and no openings at one of the sides.
3: Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder.
1: Me too,
0: friend. Me too.
1: Well, they head to the Hollywood like Springfield sign where the word ring appears. And when they climb up it, they are met by hounds. And connected to those hounds, Steve, <gasps> why it's one and only Waylon Smithers and his boyfriend, Mr. Burns.
5: Well, well, if it isn't the Tardy Boys and Nancy Clueless,
2: Mr. Burns. By- What are you doing here?
5: Oh, I've known about the gem for years. You see, my dear girl, I joined the Freemasons before it was trendy. That's my eyeball on the dollar bill. That's also my pyramid. Hence, I trailed you on your quest, accompanied by my faithful albino.
3: I keep telling you I'm not an albino. I just use a lot of sunblock.
5: Then why do I give you all the albino holidays off? Hmm? Hmm?
2: Look, there's writing on the R.
5: No, everything is writing to you, young people.
2: From this angle, they're words. Great crimes kill holy sage.
3: Great crimes kill holy sage. The puzzle is solved. We must warn the holy sage at once.
2: No, that's not it. A secret message this awkwardly worded is always an anagram.
5: Fine. Then you unscramble those letters to spell out the location of the gem, while you two dig your own
1: graves. I like Skinner in this episode because he's just dumb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing the ring and then. Hey, do you think that, okay, so I know that the the reference for the tri, uh, for the Da Vinci Code when Burns calls Smithers his loyal albino servant, there's in the Da Vinci Code, there's yeah. albino servant, but do you think this is actually canon in The Simpsons? In I was going to ask you se- about this too. Because in the first season, Smithers looks like he's black. Mm-hmm. So what if like Smithers actually is African American and just wears a lot of sunscreen? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Could be, much like Tobias Fumke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, reverse. It's it's white facing.
0: Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I have no problem
1: with. So we're going to say that's canon, Steve.
0: All righty. So Lisa works out the uh, anagram and comic book guy laments that he believed in Superman for years and now that if he can hear him, please help him dig uh-huh. his own grave.
1: Real quick, June thirteenth is the International Albinism Awareness Day. So
0: that's the day that it gets off.
1: So the June thirteenth for Albinos, yep.
0: Good to know. Uh, Lisa completes the riddle, changing Great Crimes Kill Holy Sage to Regally, the rock gem is Lisa. The gem was inside of her, or maybe, as Wayland Smithers points out, she is a gem.
5: <gasps> of course. Saint Teresa wouldn't be interested in a mere bubble. Her greatest treasure would be a pure young girl. You are pure, aren't you?
2: Does kissing Millhouse count?
5: No. no, no.
2: It all adds up. I am the gem that will bring world peace. How brilliant of God to remove my skepticism by making me His chosen one.
3: According
5: to legend, the gem must be brought to the convent by sunrise.
3: We could make it if we took Mister. Burns's helicopter.
5: Hmm. I don't really want you people inside, but you could dangle from the skids.
3: Deal. Feels good to help someone, doesn't it, sir?
5: No, it feels weird.
0: Speaking of weird, it's weird that uh, the three grown men asked if Lisa was pure.
1: (laughs) But I also like the fact that everyone knows who Millhouse is, even Mr. Burns. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think (laughs) I (laughs) know. So when uh, Lisa and Skinner and uh, comic book guy are hanging from the skid of the helicopter, this is uh, actually a reference to the Simpsons arcade game where the family hangs on Smithers' helicopter.
0: Episode or level two, I think.
1: Wow. Yeah. So uh, uh, the nuns are singing a haunting rendition of the uh, Oh Fortuna. When Lisa smugly walks in, the nuns unfaced continue with the chorus and Mother Superior points out the gem is over there and it's none other than
2: The solution was Regally the Rock Gem is Lisa.
4: Oh, please. How many sentences start with the word Regally?
2: Um, this one?
4: Don't oh, give me that.
2: It's really Maggie, Sherlock. You know, I have to point out that this only makes sense if I get the wrong answer first. I said Hush!
0: It's funny, too, because Lisa is the smart one and she's solving all the puzzles, but she's already solved two of them wrong.
1: Yeah, her uh, ego in this episode, Steve, I tell you.
0: Yeah, I mean, Homer only had to solve one riddle, and he did it right the first time.
1: Oh, that happened. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an hour ago.
0: I know. So, the Sister of God declares a new era of prosperity and peace for Springfield, as Maggie's glow brings a rainbow-colored aura over the town, resulting in rival mattress sales, people hugging letter carriers and dogs to befriend one another, <laughs> and an ump, an opposing team uh, captain, to cease their and to make out a little bit uh, that's
1: pretty good at that scene yeah <laughs> um so even the warden is feeling the effects of maggie's uh, powers and uh he sets Snake's electric chair to massage, and even the jailbird knows that the gem of St. Teresa has been returned to the throne. Hey, I have a question. I know there's, they always make the running joke of Snake in the electric chair and about to be killed. Mm-hmm. What what has he done to, like, deserve the ultimate punishment of death?
0: Yeah, I mean, for the most part, he's robbed the quickie mark. Yeah. Shot him. Other than that, though, he hasn't really done many other crimes. Yeah. After four centuries of patient sacrifice, all is peace and harmony. In walks Marge, demanding her child. Her mother's intuition led her to Maggie. Lisa pleads with her mother that Maggie has brought peace to the town and reports of West Road Rage in Shelbyville.
1: Well, Marge wants to see the utopian peace, but uh, Maggie unwraps her mother's bandages, and Marge realizes that Maggie's even more beautiful than she remembers. Marge knows God would never ask a mother to sacrifice her child for the good of the world. Again.
0: As they head home, Marge is worried that she's being selfish. Homer comforts her and mentions that he offered another gem child for the precious
1: throne. wonder who it was. Hmm. Well, I think it was Bart. Oh. And it was. So he takes over the throne and a picture of the Virgin Mary transforms into the devil himself. Oh. And the pillars of church turn into giant snakes and the ground splits open as fire and brimstones appear everywhere and this means bart is so staying up past his bedtime oh yeah and that's the end of the series end of the series i'm assuming so i mean it ends with like hell on earth
0: makes sense to me let's wrap it up
1: like wear a condom yeah that's weird on a podcast but uh, okay Done.
0: i feel safer already
1: we'll be right back
0: And we're back, Craig. Let's uh, talk about our favorite visual things, our favorite jokes, maybe an MBJ. We can talk some, about some external reviews, our own reviews, and then we'll find out what we're watching next week. Sounds like a plan. Great. Uh, so visual gags. There are quite a few. What'd you think?
1: I enjoyed Bart dressing up as Lisa.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the clues with the uh, Homer and the uh, the boats and the the pills or the, the poison and, and Santa's little helper. That old riddle is fun. Um, but i think the beginning for me i think if i were to get something on a t-shirt i almost want this on a t-shirt i want ed bagley jr's solar car him driving it it's a little smart car he's a big guy you know he's pretty tall just seeing him <laughs> driving it that's pretty funny i enjoy ed bagley jr
0: it's the largest car he can afford <laughs> yeah uh, no, that's pretty good i like that um i think for me there are a lot of fun ones I do like the cryptics or the the images that cut each uh, scene with the riddle, but I think I have to go with. I mentioned it earlier, but there's just this image. Uh, I think it's Mother Mary. You know, Mary, the good one, uh, with the scram over it. John Lennon's mom, Mother Mary. Yes, letter B. Letter C letter d Every
1: time tell you like i just want to write a bit for uh sesame street sesame street so i want them to sing letter b with count. Like, letter b letter b <laughs> every it time i hear that song letter a
0: i think about or before that
1: letter c <laughs> so just do letter letter B with yeah Hey, call jim henson up and tell him i got this idea i don't have a phone number to hell <laughs> Where is my creator in hell <laughs> Waka, waka, waka. Waka, waka, waka. Have you watched The Muppets on the Disney Plus thing? I don't think anyone's watched that yet. I show. tried. Oh, is it that bad?
0: Um, I don't think it was intentional, but the first episode, they're on a conference call that looks a lot like a Zoom call. <laughs> and I don't think they planned that out, but like, I'm just like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to watch The Muppets at home. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, all right, well, let's go back to The Simpsons.
0: Yeah, so uh, my visual is... Uh, the Virgin Mary saying "Scram." All so right, be a fun shirt. What do we look like for quotes, quoting quotables. I like when Homer talks about how. I'll oh, just let's cut case, you off right there. Just, that's fine.
1: Okay. I like it when Homer talks. I like that. That's good. Yeah, that's fun, right? Well, if you want to elaborate, I guess you can do that.
0: Uh, when he talks about uh, keeping an eye on Maggie in case God has to make, her to- to make a tornado or not exist.
1: Yeah, that's a good line.
0: I thought that was fun. I like the tardy boys and Nancy clueless. Everybody is ever late at work. I like to say, "Hey, what's up, there tardy animal?" <laughs>
1: And they're like, uh, "Okay, Dad." Yeah,
0: bad enough I have a hangover. I don't want to hear you too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I would say that like there were a lot of laughs on the show, but I don't know of any like specific quotes. I mean, it was cool to see that sign: "The do not end, or "Keep out," or "Or do I'm not a signer like that."
1: Yeah, that could be a T-shirt as well. Yeah, this one did have like a lot of more visual gags mm-hmm. um, than quotables but i mean just some of the, the stuff like homer says too i mean even like i'm looking back to the notes i forgot about the tex avery parody they did i mean that was great too yeah i think one of my favorite visual scenes too was when homer is complaining there's no way i'm gonna be dressed as a nun and they did the quick little whoop, the, the cartoon <laughs> thing i think <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite
0: scenes too that was, that was a really good scene um also another one that i'll mention is uh marge uh feeding homer's hand i thought that was fun too
1: oh yeah of course how do you forget that yeah Okay, I think my favorite quote—just uh, a quick line from—was uh, Homer was like, "I broke my space toy." <laughs> I laughed at I that line. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then Kent Brockman's uh rant, of course. We love Kent. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going with uh, I broke my space toy.
0: I think that's a good one. Yeah. I would say that Homer is definitely the probably the MV MVJ of the show of the episode, at least.
1: I'm going with Skinner because I like it when Skinner's dumb. So, I yeah, uh, I like uh Skinner. There's my MVJ, he's a good runner up. Yeah. For me, all right. Uh, before we review, I think we might have someone other reviews.
0: Um, yes, I have one from TV.com. It is from uh, May 2nd, 2011. So, a couple years after this first aired. It is by uh, the writer Boomy. (laughs) And it, uh, they give the episode uh, 10 out of 10. The uh, title of the uh, review, Wolves are taking all our women. The review reads, Wolves are taking all of our women. The best line I've heard in a long time. Where did it come from? Who was deranged enough to come up with this awesome line? I want to shake the hand of the writer who thought of this line. All day long I find reasons to say, Wolves are taking our women. 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 Wolves are taking our women 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 and that's the review Wolves are taking our women.
1: I, I'm trying to, I'm laughing at you, not not the, the line. Oh,
0: no, that's fine. Because wolves are taking our women.
1: Do you think they ever got to shake um, uh, Billy Kimball and Ian Maxtone Graham's hand?
0: I'd like to think so. <laughs> and then they were quickly arrested because they had a gun in their
1: hand. <laughs> wolves are taking our women. <laughs> oh, sorry, wolves are taking all our women. All our women.
0: <sighs> so, yeah, that's a fun review.
1: So, that was a very positive review, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I have something uh, on the other side of the spectrum of positive. I believe that would be negative. I think you're correct. Alright, so this is from the international movie Database. Mm. And it's from uh, Sam Rick 28 reviewed June 2010. And uh, here's the title, Steve. Pathetic, simply pathetic. Um, Warning, spoilers. Most season 20 episodes are awful. And this one is no exception. Long story short, Homer's negligence leads to Maggie being taken in by nuns. Lisa tries to get her back while Homer tries to fool Marge into thinking Maggie's still there, while Bart does the same for Lisa. The plot is disgusting. Lisa, while trying to get Maggie back, deciding decided that hunting for the lost jewel will somehow magically magically lead her to Maggie for some reason. Next to solve a clue, she enlists the aid of Milhouse, who has nothing, but then Lisa solves the riddle a mere second later with no help, not joking. Unfortunately, it literally only takes her three seconds. No, wait, it gets worse. In order to fool Marge into thinking Lisa's still him, Bart dresses as Lisa to make Marge think that he's her. Now, the problem is, Marge's temporarily blind due to staring at the sun during an eclipse. So what was the point of the cross-dressing? And then, Marge confuses Bart's cruddy saxophone playing for Lisa's jazz... Despite the fact that it's supposed to be Homer who hates Lisa's regular music and confuses bad playing for good. Finally, and this is the worst of all, after Maggie is pretty much proclaimed the second Christ by nuns, Marge burst in demanding Maggie back. How did she know to come? Both Lisa and the viewers ask, well, get ready. Because the answer is, words cannot describe how awful Marge's answer is. A mother knows? Really? That's the best I could come up with? The writers were clearly just being lazy there, especially considering that Marge was fooled earlier by a fake hand puppet and a needlessly cross-dressed Bart? All in all, it was a pretty bad episode. Don't watch it. Ever. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: Very angry, Sam <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, that's his review, as huh. performed by me. So I like some accolades there.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good. You
1: uh, definitely brought the emotion there. Thanks. You should win. Uh, you should be nominated for an award. Well, funny, they should say that, Steve, because this episode was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Program for Programming Less Than One Hour and Outstanding Music Composition for a Series. Did you
0: know it was also nominated for an Annie Award for Best Writing in an Animated Television Production?
1: Actually, I didn't. Oh. Well, did you know that Friends of the Show, Billy Kimball and Ian Maxton Graham, were nominated for a Writers Guild of America Award in the animation category in 2010 for writing this episode? Ooh. Yeah, The Simpsons was the only show to be nominated in the category, uh, with the other nominated episodes being The Burns and the Bees, Eeny, Teeny, Maya Mo take my life please and wedding for disaster which was the winner oh huh.
0: well, that's all from right the, the, all the sh- all the episodes were from the simpsons
1: yeah because uh, i guess everything else in 2010 sucked
0: take that family guy <laughs> what are well, your thoughts
1: all right well i'll tell you steve i'm somewhere in the middle of uh i'm not too sam rec 28 and i'm not really boomy i'm a little but bit the- in the middle but I'm how wel- do
0: you think that the uh the wolves are taking
1: all of our women <laughs> i get it now it's a horrible laugh fake laugh um i don't know i kind of uh i enjoyed this episode it's certainly not the best and i'm not familiar with uh, da vinci code I mean, I, I know the knowledge that I need to know, like the albino servant. Um, I am f- I'm a fan of the uh, National Treasure movies, though; those are pretty fun. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Indiana Nicholas Cage, but um, so you know, the and I like the the fun little like clues are, that uh, they're trying to have like the audience play along with, and they're just ridiculous. I mean, I mean the the Lisa trying to figure out the, the anagrams um you know homer in the beginning too with uh the riddle of the fox and the the corn and the baby and and uh that scene and uh there, there is just like a lot of like fun little set pieces in this episode now plot wise it it you know i don't think the the plot really matters in this episode it's one of the few episodes where i i don't care that there's not really a plot that needs to be told i think that being said uh it was a uh, it, it was fine you know it was uh cromulent as we like to say i think it would be one of those episodes that if it was on in the background or i've been flipping through the t- stations i had watched it because uh again like i said there's just some, some fun very fun visual gags to watch in this and uh we even said that so uh that being said this episode uh rings steve there's uh five letters in the word rings I'll give this episode a two point seven eight rings.
0: Two point seven eight out of five. That's a that's a solid score, I think. Yeah, solid snake. Metal Gear, solid, solid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was gonna go with a six six six, but uh, that seems too obvious. Yeah. Um,
0: Steven. Well, I think there are some episodes, uh, twenty two short films about Springfield, trilogy of air, that are ambitious in their storytelling that aren't aren't like your traditional plot, and I think that this falls in that realm. Uh, I feel like they had the idea with the Homer riddle first, maybe because that's a, such a classic riddle. And it would have been almost more fun to see those traditional riddles show up rather than just anagrams, like the one about the two guards—one can only lie, and the only one can tell the truth—and there's the tigers. Like more mm-hmm. traditional ones that are more plot-based rather than word games.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I think I like that. Maybe that was like uh, the, the concept that Billy and Ian had. Like, you know, they could do the uh, the doctor's son, whatever. You know, like yeah, right? exactly. Form the doctor. Or the or the there's a plane that lands on the crashes on the border of Canada and and uh, America where they bury survivors. That's not really, but yeah, I guess that's one of them too. But yeah,
0: you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, Yeah, like more traditional, like story-based riddles, right? Uh, Because Lisa mostly solved anagrams.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and she did a bad job too
0: yeah um that being said i thought it was a fun kind of silly episode um the story about the nuns going through like history and like the revolutionary war being fake i thought that was a lot of fun uh i like the way that they tied in the idea of an an eclipse with like this whole big uh mystery and this uh the whole conspiracy theory that is that was inspired by like from uh, national treasure and the uh da vinci code series uh so yeah i think that this is a silly episode that might not be the most important but it's a fun time they do a lot in this episode and it's visually really a lot of fun so i'm gonna say that there were 13 original colonies when the nuns showed up and out of those 13 i'm gonna give this a 7.7 7.
1: yeah i think you're right you mentioned right when you said uh trilogy of air and uh the short stories like i i didn't really think about that but yeah i think that's uh i think that's what they kind of were going for just maybe it's just us watching uh episodes at random where there's there's been pretty much like a straight plot and nothing like really we haven't seen really anything goofy lately Mm -hmm. and i think this episode fits in that like uh I know. I mean, I, I don't feel like this was like a canon episode. It's more like it exists in the uh, the treehouse of horror for me in, in my canon.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that it's that's a really good point. That it's just kind of outside of the normal world, but still kind of in that realm of deceased fantasy episodes that are kind of nice escapism.
1: You know, the earth opens up and hell is there. It's <laughs> like uh, that can't happen in real life, Steve. No, pillars so, uh, can't turn into snakes. Yeah. Well, that's our review for uh, Gone, Maggie, Gone. If you just want to watch something dumb with some dumb jokes, this is the perfect episode for that.
0: Yeah, I feel like in the before times, this would be a fun episode. Like if you went out with friends and then you went back home and you're a little tipsy and you just wanted something to watch, this would be a fun one.
1: This is a good one. Like you, you got six items from Taco Bell. Uh-huh. and you're laying on the couch and he's like let's watch the simpsons and you're like, i don't know which one to watch let's watch what we haven't seen before uh would be, be episode season yeah. 20 episode 13 gone maggie gone all right well uh let's find out what we're maybe watching next week for uh drunk taco bell runs right <laughs> that's right and
0: to do that we'll need that wheel of random all right craig let's uh spin it to see what season we are in Oodoo.
1: We have season 83. Wait, what? <laughs> season 83, wow. <laughs> we have season
0: 30. Season 30. And uh, let's spin to see what episode we're watching.
5: Doop. Doe!
1: Woo-hoo! We have episode 21. 21. Season 30, episode 21. Why, that happens to be Doe Canada. That's right, Steve. The Simpsons holiday at Niagara Falls where Marge must rescue Lisa when a mix-up sees her mistakenly granted asylum in Canada. Elsewhere, Homer takes Maggie to a Daddy and Me class. Hmm. Uh,
0: so this episode aired April 28th 2019. Uh do you have any recollection of it?
1: Hey we were doing the podcast at this time. It's true. We haven't reviewed this. We've reviewed a few from season 30 so it's not too not too old. Um I do kind of actually remember this. Um because I remember the daddy and me class and I think that comes up a couple times throughout season 30. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's got Canada. We, we like, like Canada. Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's watch that episode next week
0: sounds like a plan
1: alright until then uh, we have uh, we got a store on tpublic.com user slash annoyed grunt boys you can also contact us on social media at 138 Simpsons on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and you can always email us at
0: 138 Simpsons at gmail.com and you can always uh, go to your favorite podcasting app leave a review subscribe and uh, write your favorite riddle Uh, that's whatever a, it is that's demanding <laughs> yep, do it or, or you just- can just write a question or a Simpsons quote
1: for this week I've been half-annoyed grunt boy, Craig.
0: And I've been your other half-annoyed grunt boy, Steve.
1: Remember, keep watching the skis. Scram. Wolves are taking all our women.